Hello and welcome back to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. My name is Daje and I am your host and I'm so excited to bring you another episode with a phenomenal creator artist. Her name is Paris Whittle. Now Paris is someone who I have known here in Knoxville for the past six years. I've known of her work since she was in university at the University of Tennessee. But the reason why I invited her onto the podcast wasn't because of some profound philosophical reason. It was because of how down to earth Paris is. And I'm I'm very intrigued by her work. I've always been her illustration style, um, the things that she asks questions about, her realness as an artist. Paris isn't someone who's like trying to figure out how to change the whole world, but rather she is someone who through her art is being with her herself in the most radical, profound, and vulnerable ways, taking day by day by day by day to just be a better artist, to learn how to be good to herself as a creative entrepreneur who just went full-time in the last few years. To be honest, I'm so proud of Paris and having been here in Knoxville with her and seen her work. I know that there are so many levels and layers to the way that she has shown up to her work that a lot of people just don't see, the levels of vulnerability that she allows to be seen through her work. Um, She is just so relatable. (laughs) So in this podcast episode, we really kind of shoot the shit, to be honest. like We just talk about the things that we both are touching in on, like entrepreneurship, um, you know, getting paid as an entrepreneur, um, you know, client work and managing burnout and managing shame and stress and anxiety and how to walk into the work really with like this picture of wholeness. I really think that this conversation with Paris is like the most down to earth version of the whole conversation that I've been feeling into for a while than I've had in a long time. It's just like, Wholeness looks like putting your pants on one sleeve at a time, putting your socks on and learning how to walk out the door of your house and like know that it's going to be okay. Right. Or it's, it's, if it's not going to be okay, then you're still going to be intact. Right. Or just knowing that like at the end of the day, as long as you're doing what you're here, feeling called to do none of the other stuff matters. With Paris in this conversation, we just kept it super simple. And I love that about our conversations. I think you're going to get a lot of joy and a lot of hope and peace for what it means to be an artist, especially when, you know, you're not even sure how you're going to impact the whole world, but you're just kind of trying to figure out how to be in your community in a whole way. That is so valid. All of it is good. So a little bit about Paris. Paris was born and raised in Knoxville, um, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is where we both live at the moment, at the time of recording this episode. Paris's heart will always be in her hometown. And I've got to say, Knoxville is such a special place. I've been here for about 11 years, and it's been really cool to just kind of grow up in this scene alongside of Paris, like in a parallel fashion. We are on opposite sides of like the spectrum as far as like the work that we do but neighbors in the real sense of like we only live a few blocks from each other and that's pretty cool along with a line of product that includes apparel and paper goods she also offers a range of freelance illustration services paris has painted many murals here in knoxville and they are beautiful 
She received her BFA in 2D art with a concentration in painting and drawing from the University of Tennessee. She loves bold color, pattern, pop culture, portraiture, fashion, and is fueled by a copious amount of coffee. Paris is the perfect podcast interviewee for this episode on unraveling from shame and stepping into creative courage with our whole hearts, belief in our chest. I cannot wait to share this work with you. Hello, Paris. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. We're recording now, actually. Yes, we're recording. We had like a whole podcast conversation before we started recording. And then we realized we we're not recording. And then we said, okay, that was great. Yeah. Let's do this Just again. a ego hit for Paris. <laughs> <laughs> but also it was like a deep breath of like, Okay, now I don't have to like keep up with all the shit that I just said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Thanks for having me today. Yes, yeah, absolutely. How you feeling in this moment? Uh, I'm feeling better, laughing at myself. Um mm-hmm. anxious, but I'm always anxious, so what's new? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I'm just really thankful to be on here with you and I'm excited to chat. Yes, me too. I love that. Isn't that a t-shirt that you've made? Always anxious? Probably anxious. Very Probably close. Anxious. Probably anxious. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. It's, so Thank you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about you and like kind of your background and your work to give the folks a little bit of context on who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, wanted to be an artist since I was little. I think Mm -hmm. I came out of the womb proclaiming that I was going to be an artist when I grew up. And then I did, which I always find a little not as exciting because I feel like most people are like, I wanted to be a dolphin trainer when I grew up. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No. So I, I grew up in Mechanicsville. Um, so not far away, which it's very, very nice now, but it wasn't as nice growing up. So I feel like when I tell people that I grew up in Mechanicsville, they're like, Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so funny. homeschooled, my dad, um, is an ordained minister mm. and we moved there to be closer to the projects, which is college homes and then college homes demolished and mm-hmm. just, you know, around very two very artistic parents. I went to Fulton High School. I feel like all of, I feel like kind of the eclecticness of my childhood and how I was raised really formed me to mm-hmm. kind of who I am and all my perspectives. And so went to UT. Um, it's funny, all of my work by the time I finished UT was actually textiles. <laughs> And because I've always been interested in in color and Mm -hmm. um, textile design. And I feel like that's actually worked its way into my 2D art. I feel like I'm starting to actually just go full circle and everything Mm -hmm. in my life is starting to connect and all of my work is starting to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so right now my work that's close and feels tender and vulnerable for me is the ones that have figures um, in them, or I call it like my, my Paris mm-hmm. party artwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so that's kind of, that would be like my more personal work. And then I do mm-hmm. a lot of client work as well and product design. I like humor. 
I like yeah. making fun of myself. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love your work. I've always thought that your illustration style was so specific. Um, so for those of you who are new to Paris, Paris and I live in the same city. We live in the same town, Knoxville, Tennessee. And she's talking about the neighborhoods I know about and parts of town that I know about. But also I know about Paris's work just from being in the art scene for years. I mean, I guess I wasn't in the art scene, but I got to observe the art scene. (laughs) I mean, maybe as a musician at the time and like, you know, Maker City stuff and like all the the things that we were doing back then before pandemic. But I got to observe like even like I've I've got to observe you grow as an artist and you grow as a creator. in Knoxville, like you sharing your work through Rala and seeing like some of, I don't think I saw some of your first illustrations, but I do remember like the really early days of like, um, like I think it was like 2018, 2017, 2018, when I started like hearing more about your work and I really loved it because it was so vulnerable, right? Like you weren't Mm. just like, it wasn't just like quirky, quippy things that you were putting on t-shirts and putting into print. But it was like, you know, it was a mix of like pop culture, but also like kind of real life, like things that you were experiencing, especially when you started, like, I guess it was like almost like a sketchbook kind of vibe with the Paris party, like this like private place where you could really just like express yourself and like not create stuff for the gram. But that was like, I think your Paris party stuff was like some of my favorite stuff you've ever made because like you showed images of like, like these illustrations of like human connection and like people in their underwear and like people being (laughs) awkward and just like all different kinds of hairstyles. And it was just like really funky, but also like very human at the same time. And so, yeah, that's just how I experienced your work. Well, twenty in 2017, that was like pre-iPad. I was hand-drawing everything and then scanning it in. <laughs> I had mm-hmm. a whole process. I feel like once I got my iPad, my world just exploded. I like couldn't – it was almost like my sketchbook couldn't keep up with me, but my iPad can a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, still, I still sketch to this day, and I actually miss that because I've been trying to get back into it. I don't know if my body's just getting old. But I used to be able to wake up at 6 a.m. and draw for myself an hour every morning. And I've been trying to like <laughs> figure out a new rhythm to get that back because I yeah. miss I miss those. And it was almost like I would make it was almost like I had encyclopedias that I could look back into mm. and like reference for my own work. But tell me a little bit about your just kind of your progression. So before we hit the record button, we were talking a little bit about like this like <laughs> this thing that a lot of art like a couple of things that a lot of artists kind of go through right like going through like learning how to price work pricing creative work talking about yeah. like uh what does it look like to have a viable sustainable progressive living wage as an artist who is working for themselves and is that you know allowed quote unquote can we allow ourselves Mm -hmm. to pursue that can we allow ourselves to even pursue you know the big w word wealth as artists like is that wrong is that stingy is that you know are we selling out and then 
like what is that line between artists and entrepreneurs? So I would love to get into some of that juice with you yeah. and like how you found that in your story. Yeah. I mean, I ultimately think that line is a person by person basis. Mm -hmm. I think it's like you have to figure out for yourself and you really have to be honest with yourself about where that line is for you. Mm. For me, it's like I, you know, I've had years where I completely undercharged myself Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I was kind of barely scraping through. And then it's like you have those moments where you press, press send, you know, on an email mm-hmm. that's like your highest quote ever. And, yeah. you know, you're like just holding your tongue, you know, uh-huh. like just don't say anything, shut up, just wait for them to respond. And then, you know, eventually like you get no's, but then you get a yes. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, then for me, it was like, then I experienced higher level clients mm-hmm. and there was like so much more trust. Yes. And it was like, they, it was like they trusted me as the expert and uh-huh. it was like those jobs were quicker and easier and I produced mm-hmm. better things. So mm-hmm. it was like, why would you not want all of those things? You know, absolutely. <laughs> why would you not want wealth more time to spend on a project? Not that I'm wealthy, but why would you not want like money, more time to spend on a project yeah. and clients that are like really excited about, um, you know, what they're receiving. Yeah, I will absolutely. say too, like one thing I practice is with other artists, when, when I was first starting, I felt like everyone was so protective about how they charge for their things. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have a philosophy of if someone wants to know kind of what I charge, I want them to know because it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like people keep that information in a secret and they mm-hmm. think they're helping themselves, but they're actually yeah. just holding everyone back. And yeah. they're, you know, you're going to have other little artists that don't know that they're undercharging and you're, you're getting undercut and they're yeah. also getting undercut. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I get really passionate about pricing. I really I think it's I love it. I love it. So. I, <laughs> I am here for it. I'm like writing <laughs> off of your passion. Like, yes. Yeah. Like I just remember being like kind of really early, like I was trying to figure out how to unravel myself from the nonprofit world doing marketing Mm -hmm. and like trying to figure out how to like structure my freelancing business. Like I really wanted to do basically the work that I'm doing now. And I had several people who pretended to be gatekeepers tell me, no, you can't do that because X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, I've been doing marketing for six years. Like, why are you telling me that? There were so many different, there's so many layers to it, like so much BS around it. Yeah. <laughs> Could get into it, but I'm not because it's going to make me hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like, it's just lies and things that they've been told, you know? Yeah, exa- just- absolutely. And they want other yeah. people to suffer like they suffered. And I'm like, yeah. I really suffered from that experience of having someone sort of gatekeep a price point over me. Mm. Um or even like my profession. Like I knew I wanted to consult with multi-passionate creators who want to own their voices and like show up to the marketplace. I knew that as soon as I started founding space. And I decided to move, to like take the direction of like branding instead, which felt com- like it felt fine, but it also felt like slightly uncomfortable and dissonant. 
um, because it, I wasn't using my like my skills, my art, my medicine to yeah. create those changes and that I knew would impact people's lives. So I think it's really powerful what you just said, like how the impact that we have on like younger artists or like, not even younger, just people who are like early in the game. There yeah. is no like threshold. You don't need to pay your dues in order to earn a viable and sustainable and progressive wage. Hello. Like, no. You're giving me chills, actually. <laughs> I could I could tear up a little bit because it's just like, yeah, like why why would you want to make other artists' lives harder? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's sort of like scientists, you know, it's like they they learn something and then they share it and then it becomes common knowledge. Yes. Hello. <laughs> the gall, yeah, you know. Um I I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, it's it's unfortunate and um I'm just like And then I will say, I will say on the flip side, I have experienced some people that will you give them a cookie and they take all of your energy and they go like this. Sorry, yeah. making a squeezing motion, you know, and it's like it's it's kind of figuring out how how to do that and you know also learning boundaries and you know instagram can be draining you know yeah kind of those those people that will dm you and um it can it can be really cool but it's yeah like um you know being willing to share but also protecting like you know per- i don't know how to say it i don't know how to say it i just I guess like it's not even like it's not even gatekeeping or like protecting like your own knowledge, but also like I don't know, just like sharing it with the people that you think like actually actually need it and can mm-hmm. run with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I've definitely had those moments where I used to feel so attached to my Instagram DMs. Like I had mm-hmm. to respond to everyone. And if I don't respond immediately, I'm a bad <laughs> business owner and I'm a bad nope. person. Nope. No. And it's like, now I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, you know, it, it, that does not, I, I can't do that. And it's not yeah. sustainable at all. Yeah. I, I think know. what you're talking about is like boundaries and protecting your energy as yeah. a creative. Because like that's also another thing that creatives feel really ashamed of is like not only are we fed these like lies and this like knowledge that we have to underprice and undercharge because how do you price for creative work? Like if your mentor is charging $50 an hour, you better not charge more than that. Like and or if they're charging, you know. $500 for a logo, you're charging 497, right? Like we're taught like all of these like hierarch- hierarchical, we're taught all of these hierarchical like schemes, honestly, to keep us like lost to our own power. Yeah. But like even that, like that moment of like saying, no, like my energy is really sacred. My energy is worth something. And like, I'm the only person who gets to decide what it's worth. And part of that means that it's going to take me two to three days to respond to an influx of DMs. It's going to take me two to three days to 
respond to all the likes, regardless of the algorithm implications. It's going to take me, you know, it's going to take me my precious time and energy to do this work, to uh, set this boundary around like the amount of time I need to like create this thing, the, the lead time. And so like, I think, you know, there's a difference between like protecting your energy and like gatekeeping like yeah. really powerful things. Like I think the gatekeeping part of it is like um, what's left over. It's like internalized capitalism to use a big word for it of like, mm. yeah, we have like these systems of like these hierarchies set up in the culture already that keep people from investing, for example, because yeah. only a certain class of people or a certain like, people who are willing to study the the language and the knowledge really know how investing works because there's a huge, like there's a jargon around it. But like, if you were to look at the brass tacks of investing, for example, it's like really simple and basic. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Saying it's like, why do we do this? Like, why do we hold, why in our culture do we hold artists from their power? I think it's on purpose. I mean, at least the, I, I think like, at least like the investing stuff, um, I, I feel yeah, like sure. that <laughs> is a purposeful structure that was set up so that a unique small amount of people can get wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I do thank you. Like, I feel like you took what I was saying and um, actually said it how, how it needed to be said. Um, I, I just feel like, Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to think on that one, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, gatekeeping and art. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's, at least for me, I felt like I was the one that was keeping myself from it. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm now on this path where it's... Um, I'm learning that that what I do is not a fluke and I am not a fluke. And, you know, especially mm. like going full time was terrifying. I mm. didn't tell people for months because I was scared that it was going to be a fluke. No one was going to reach out to me ever again. You know, every, I mean, it's all those slippery slope things that go in your mm-hmm. head. I I really think majority of it, I do think there are some external factors, but I think a lot of it's because art is intimate and emotionally and emotional and vulnerable. And I Mm. think we just get into our own heads and kind of gatekeep ourselves a little bit. I do think there are external gatekeeping too, but at least for me, it was like, you know, you didn't go to grad school or you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Or, you know, you haven't had, um, enough large clients to really take on this client Paris, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just that internal dialogue mm-hmm. of kind of figuring out how to get it to shut up. <laughs> Where do you think it comes from? Like in, in you, that internal dialogue? I think, you know, <laughs> anxiety for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety and, uh, I feel like I've always been good at like exuding confidence, but Mm -hmm. I'm not always the actual most confident person. Mm. And I also feel like a lot of people think that I'm an extrovert when I'm actually 
extremely introverted and really good at pretending to be an extrovert. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of it is just like faking it until I make it. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's actually worked because it's like I fake it and then it's like I proved to myself that I can do something and then I fake mm-hmm. it again. And then I'm like, oh, like maybe this is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I can actually do this. I love that. It's almost like you embody you like you're like embodying the archetype of the confident artist until you feel like you are fat. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm just going to walk in my future shoes for a while even though they feel a little bigger than my feet are right now and then when I grow into them I'll know. And did that take you just like a whole lot of freaking patience with yourself, right? Like just giving yourself a lot of space to. Oh be. yeah. <laughs> and like anyone that's close to me knows that like, I I am my worst critic. Like mm. I, you know, and they've, they've definitely probably seen me cry before. <laughs> yeah. I'm very emotional and, um, and you know, I, I also like expect the best out of myself and for my clients. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think I can be too rough on myself sometimes. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to be like a little bit more gentle with myself these days. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also, you know, it's like before we started the podcast, I was telling you that I'm, you know, experiencing a difficult week where it's, I have, honestly, what happened for this week was, January hit and I was like, okay, time to hustle up client work. I thought I was going to get maybe two to three yeses and I ended up getting all yeses. And it's great, but like I almost sobbed when I got all yeses because I was like, oh, oh shit. Wait, can I, cur- can I curse? Yes, you can curse. Oh, okay. I was like, shit, I can't. I was like, now, now I have to do this stuff. And now it's like, you know, being kind with myself that, you know, maybe I'm not the fastest at producing, you know, high quality work than like someone that's been, you know, doing the stuff that they've been doing for a long time, you know, and just being kind with myself and like taking breaks and then going back at it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then also just staying true and knowing that like, I always get it done, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, that's like, I think what you're holding and what you're sharing with me is like this like very realistic process. Like I feel like so many artists, myself included, get real romantic about like how we're going to do the work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Romantic and poetic and like, you know, and about our growth cycles and processes and where we think we're going to be and how, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, you just sound like a real fucking human being (laughs) right now. Like, you're going to be organized. You're going to be sitting at a desk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just was like, I think it was like late last week. I was like, fuck it. And I just took my laptop and my iPad to bed, put my pajamas back on. Cause so I was like, this is how I work best anyways. Like yes. I understand the people that have to get dressed. Like I need to fresh <laughs> this out. And so like my damn cats are going to sit next to me and we're going to get this done. So listen, yes, I absolutely have those moments. Like where I'm like, 
we're getting back in the bed and yeah. laptop and work is coming with me. Like I literally only just put on pants for this podcast episode today because I was like, I don't think I'm going to leave my Airbnb. I'm still here in Tulum. Like I'm still here. Oh. I've been here a month. <laughs> like why don't I go home? But I'm still here and I only put on pants today for this podcast episode and then hey, I'm going to go too. get some food and I'm going to come back and I'm going to put on some non-pants. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like yes. it's actually the behind the scenes. Like yeah, all the stuff that we do to make the magic happens comes from being I think radically human. Um mm. and like that's what I see and experience from you, Paris. It's just like this commitment to being honest about who you are and where you're at and what it's like, you know, for you to be an artist. Like, and, you know, I feel the same way about you too, because I, I feel like you're someone that I see where I feel like I saw you several times trying to like fit in and find your niche. And then I felt like you went, fuck it. And then for sure. create, you created your own niche and everyone was like, what is this? And you're like, let me tell you, welcome. <laughs> you know, this is something that's never been created before. And I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's literally exactly what I did. I was just like, fuck all of y'all. None of y'all are paying my rent. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't afford, we can't, like, that's a huge thing is like, we can't afford to to like be incongruent with who we are and what we need. It's yeah. It's not a thing. Like it's not that's expensive. Um it's expensive to pretend that you're something that you're not. It's expensive to be who you're not. It's more mm. than expensive. Sorry. I'm I'm writing that down. Is that guilty? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes when I need like a, a little pick me up, I'll write a note on my hand. I love it. But this is going on my. I love, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much because it's true. It's um, I mean, it's cliche, but it's like we only have one life. Why is your life not serving you? Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny. I think that that actually it was like last year, the year before. Um, I, I would have, I had like a couple months where I didn't take one day off and I like wow. completely ran myself dry. And mm. that, that resonates with me because it was like learning to, to take time off and like mm -hmm. experience the life that I actually built, you know, like mm -hmm. what's the point, you know? And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially through COVID, um, mm -hmm. were also having that realization. I think a lot of people did a little shimmy and a pivot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because like all of this, this whole world is like built on stuff, things built on things that we don't need. Like the body doesn't need these hierarchical systems of power to govern it. Like we yeah. as artists, as creatives don't need that. And that's a huge reason why like before we recorded it, like this podcast, before we recorded it, before I pressed record, yeah, I was like, Paris, do you want to talk about the economic power of the artist in the local economy? Like, <laughs> and you, <laughs> what power? Sorry, <laughs> but 
but like I think that that's the conversation we're actually having right now. It's just not in this like jargon, so to speak. But we are talking about taking our power back in essence. Like yeah. everything that you're ta- everything you're talking about, everything that you're saying is is about that. Like taking taking the nap, putting your PJs on, getting into bed, yeah. charging what you're worth. Like not even just charging what you're worth, like beyond that, like setting setting yourself up to have a viable, sustainable, and progressive wage and to be able to take care of yourself inside of this economy. Like the power of your work to impact people, even even if it's like, this is what a lot of artists I feel like get caught up in their heads about, that you have to be like the most profound, like gestalt, like, you know, however you say his name, uh, da, da Vinci codes, whatever. Like you have, oh, yeah. like, do you know what I'm saying? Like people think they have to be yeah. so freaking profound, myself included, in order to have good art. And your work is like profound in the sense of like, it's so simple. It's like probably anxious. All right. That just like, that's such a huge reminder of my humanity. You have like all of these like different little bitty reminders of like who we get to be and who we are that actually impact culture in these like small, wet, one of my favorite business philosophers, Carol Sanford. And when I say business philosopher, she's like really kind of a renegade, which is why I love her. She talks about like the nodal shifts that are the most impactful. And like hmm, in a capitalist- yeah, like so in like, you know, in these really flashy like hierarchies, like we have America that has like this crazy military that like why yeah. do we have such like why do we have this? You know, like asking questions about like the the massive flows of power, like the trillions of dollars that are going to literally destroy the earth. Hmm. These are like these massive things that we pay attention to that it's like if I try to change the world, I have to change this. Uh, no, like I'm just an artist. Like I don't have any power to change the world. But yeah. Carol Sanford talks about how change actually doesn't happen in these massive waves. They happen in the nodes. And the mm. nodes, are like it's it's like when you look at a flow chart, the node is the point that connects other points. So yeah. it's like when you adjust the node, the flow shifts, the flow of energy, the flow of resources shift. Mm. You can adjust a node by like changing somebody's mind about something. You can adjust a node by enlightening somebody to their own feelings of shame day in and day Mm. out. Like you can shift a node by giving somebody something good to eat, right? Like you can completely shift a node by changing somebody's day or giving somebody something to think about. It doesn't have to be this like massive display of power and resources and heroism in order to change the world. We actually change the world in the nodes, in the micro shifts, the microcosm, cosmic blah, blah, blahs that happen on a day-to-day basis. I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. I love that so much. It makes me think like, I don't know if I get too, you know, caught up in social media, but I feel like people can be so angry and volatile and like unkind and not saying things in a nice way. And I'm often thinking about like, how cool would it be if we could all, you know, speak our mind, but Mm -hmm. speak it in a way where everyone can receive it too and listen Mm -hmm. to it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not Mm -hmm. making, I'm not meaning like, you know, coat everything in honey, but I, I love that. 
I love that a lot. And I like yeah. that it could be even just taking care of yourself or staying in your PJs and working from bed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think too, it's like for some reason I always thought of power too as um, and I think it might be because I have definitely have a little bit of toxic competitiveness to me that I'm like <laughs> struggling with myself. But for some reason, I think I always think of power as like kind of having a one up on someone else where it like mm. it always involves a party that's like lower than you. Mm. But now I feel like it's like, as you said, stepping into your power, it's more about like just you, what's serving mm-hmm. you, like what's helping me get through my day. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Just like these super gentle reminders. That's a nodal shift, right? Like what you're talking about is it's a nodal shift and it's also a shift in power. You're calling that power back to yourself and you're saying, you know, my power doesn't get to belong to the angry Facebook man. My power belongs to me and my creative process. So er, excuse me, let's go. Time to leave. I think also like (laughs) – for me just realizing that not everyone's gonna like me yes and the more people that don't like me not like them that I want everyone to hate me but it's like if everyone loves me I'm probably not being myself mm-hmm. and when I kind of had that realization I was like oh, oh. yeah you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and just you know I I I feel like I went through like and I, I feel like I still struggle with it where it's just like caring so much about what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly trying to accept that it's just like, I can't control that. What do mm-hmm. I think of me? Yeah, absolutely. Terrifying I love your face. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but it's so true. It's like, you know, like we're so, it's, I mean, I'm thinking about it in so many different ways, but like, yeah, like I can't control other people's thoughts. I can't, like people have probably, you know, for me, people probably thought, oh, she wilding out. She don't, like, <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, how are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, obviously I'm being a human over here and I'm trying to figure my yeah. shit out. Like that's what's going on. So if you don't like that, you can like excuse yourself. You don't have to pay attention to me. And it's like, when I can return back, we, we can, we, when we can return back to ourselves, like that is taking power back, you know, yeah. that's, that is taking, that's having power, you know, and using that in the local economy or whatever. Yeah. And it's so worth it. Like when you find a client that you really jive with or a Mm -hmm. friend or I don't say tribe, I don't like when people say tribe. (laughs) I don't know why that just sounds weird to me. Yeah. It's like like some light colonialism. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) your vibe attracts your tribe or whatever that shit is. (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah. It's funny. I'm always thinking, not just that, but I'm always thinking about like poems or phrases or quotes that like used to be amazing, but then they got like, they got like stuck on the like tire cover of a Jeep and now they suck. Like, do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) not all who wander are lost. Great quote. Yeah. Like, yeah, please like TJ Maxx me up. Okay. It's like true, but like, can we stop saying that? Like, I mean, I guess, 
I guess y'all can do whatever y'all can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. just letting just don't you know. touch Mary Oliver. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like please do not memify yeah. Mary Oliver. She's already been yeah. memified, but like not in the TJ Maxx capacity. So. Yeah, please no. <laughs> sacred. Anyway. Some things are sacred. But, yeah, definitely, but not always in our world. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Well. Paris, like, I want to know more about what, where your work is going. Like, what do you see for yourself in the future? What, what kind of, so on this podcast, yeah. I just want to like, we switched our name from Brave School Podcast to the Regenerative Mystics Podcast. Yes, I saw. <laughs> I, I and thank you. And I'm, I'm really loving this podcast name shift because it really highlights some of the things that I feel very interested in like regenerative systems, like how do we continue to build sustainable like resources for ourselves and for our futures, mysticism in the sense of like, are we asking questions about like what is going on in our context with ourselves, like with our own spirits, the way that we connect with each other. It's not just one thing. It's about looking at the mythologies that we work with on a day-to-day basis and how mm. we can shape those mythologies for our greater good, right? And so like one of the big questions that I'm asking through this podcast is how do we design futures of wholeness that center wholeness, right? Like when we look at – when you look at little – potential I don't know what your relationship is with like wanting to have kids or whatever like your protégés or your descendants or whoever yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) but like when you look at future you know mentee of Paris or like future you a little you what is the kind of future that you want to create for them through your work yeah I don't think (laughs) I'm there yet to be honest um Mm. I feel like I'm I'm still um I'm I'm still learning. I still feel kind of like a puppy that's learning to walk. Like my paws are a little too big and my legs mm. are a little too long. Um <laughs> I love and that. I, I feel like I do know the answer to your question, but it's like I, I haven't even verbalized it to myself yet. Mm-hmm. Um I, I will say one thing that like I do want I guess it's like, you know, my own shortcomings that I wouldn't want to pass on to someone else is um, just all the self-doubt, you know, Mm. like I I wish I could have kicked the self-doubt a lot earlier because I think I could have gone even further if I had Mm -hmm. kicked my self-doubt sooner. Um, And then, you know, a more positive one is early on, I think it was the creative pep talk podcast. He talks a lot Mm -hmm. about, um, writing on stage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was the best thing for me because you, you talk about like 2017, 2018, I was kind of writing on stage on Instagram and that's where I got that (sighs) is I was like, well, I'm just going to churn out work. I'm going to show people and then I'm going to see what resonates with them, you know? Mm. And I think also like trusting your intuition, you know, I Mm -hmm. went to art school and it was always awkward for me to have to explain my work Mm -hmm. when I don't really have like a deep, heady, conceptual, you know, thing around my work, but I I felt like I had to have that 
to be smart or quote unquote, a good artist, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also being resistant of, you know, just straight graphic designer, Mm -hmm. which um, no, no shade to my graphic designer fam, because they do amazing, you know, they do amazing stuff too. But I feel like when you think of graphic design, it's more um, like there's rules, you know, there's Mm -hmm. right or wrong and it's a little bit less vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so just trusting that, that I had all of those feelings and I, I ran away from those feelings for so long and felt like, you know, I was the thing that was wrong, but Mm. I was the thing that was right. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love your response here because I think that like to this question, a lot of people would just like try to find the smartest sounding answer and like kind of echoing like things that we don't really know or understand, but like what you do know is like the self-doubt and like the little worth and the smallness that you felt because you kept it really freaking simple for yourself and you just decided to do the thing that you really loved and let that be enough. I think that's yeah. really powerful, to be honest. Like, I, I don't think we have enough people who are willing to just, like, keep it really simple and just, like, say, I just love this and I want to do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to change the world. Um, I think a lot of the artists who listen to this podcast, a lot of the people, like, the artists who kind of show up in Brave School, like, we have a lot of, like, futurists and mythologists and, like, fiction writers Mm. and poets who are trying to find a role for their work in, like, the unfolding of Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. no pressure. But, like, I feel like your response just, like, helps us all find a home in, like, it's really cool and okay to just like what you like. And let the yeah, soft and like my, <laughs> like, and like my my path doesn't make other people's path wrong. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like I have friends that went on to art grad school and I'm really excited for them and that's their path, you know? Mm-hmm. That just wasn't it it wasn't it wasn't my it wasn't a good fit for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm always, it's funny too. Like I've had moments too, especially in art school where I felt small and I'm now always suspicious of Mm. people that make me feel small (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I feel like the moment I start to feel small, all the self doubt creeps in and then I, um, kind of turtle and it's just not. Yeah. And so like kind of protecting myself from that as well. But yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that feeling of like, uh, like obviously I didn't have your experience, but my experience, I don't know if you know this, but I didn't like technically go to high school. So I don't have a high school education. Somehow I got into college on a wait list, um, barely did the ACT, barely skated through. Let's just say that. Dude, me too. And I took prep <laughs> classes and I got a 23 and I'm not ashamed. I got so, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, but like ACT, all those tests, it does not like you can be, it's a bunch you of can be dumb and an amazing test taker. That's all I'm oh, saying. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. The statistics show. Um, yes. <laughs> but like, you know, just like there have been people in my life who have even professors who have looked at me and said, do you know how to do math? And I'm like, actually, the last mm. time I had math was in 
sixth grade. So mm-hmm. no, I don't. Thanks very much. Um, and like this like attempt to make you feel really small for what you don't know instead of like looking at the essence of who you are and like honoring what you do know and what you do have and what you do value. Yeah. Like that's just like when you find those people like – yes, like honor that, like celebrate that moment because there are a whole lot of people in the world who, because their essence wasn't honored, they don't know how to honor other people's essences. And so, uh, what am I saying? It's a reflection of them. Yes, exactly. It's just a kind of like a reflection. Like when someone is trying to make you feel small, it's more of like a, like a reflection of how small they feel on the inside. It's, this is like yeah. what we were talking about earlier of like when people try to gatekeep or try to like block you from like having power and resources in your own right. Like and when I say power and resources, I mean, are you able to pay your bills? Are you able to buy yeah. food, right? Are you able to find a home? Do you have the credit to do so? Like, can, do you yeah. have a car? Like well, that's a big are, one. These are all like questions <laughs> I was asking myself, like, as a grown yeah. adult, like, why is this not happening for me? And I was realizing, oh, it's because I've been sitting over here trying to follow Sally and Sue's rules for my life. And Sally and Sue <laughs> don't know anything about who I am and what, how I be. And so I've got to make my own rules and I've got to decide for myself. I am worthy of a viable, sustainable, progressive living wage. I'm worthy of being able to go to Three Rivers Co-op and buy myself some endive and fancy ass salad dress that costs five dollars and yep. grab the free range eggs and come home with organic milk and sit my ass down and have a meal i'm worthy of yep. that that small blessing of having gas in my car and food on yeah. my table and not being struggly because some white man somewhere decided that i didn't have enough education in order to be smart enough to sit at the table yep. so yep. you know yep. Forget it. I want to clap, but I feel like if I clap, it's going to be on audio. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. yeah. And that whole like, and I, I consider you an artist. I think you're 100% an artist. And it's Thank like you. that whole, um, I just think that whole starving artist thing is bullshit. Oh my gosh. Like, it's like the whole, the whole romanticizing that like we're supposed to struggle, you know, and like, hmm what like cut off our ear and like you know <laughs> you know it's just like it's just <laughs> Wait, so, um, ear thing come from <laughs> it didn't ban- is that a story Van Gogh oh yeah ear. okay <laughs> oh my god he is not <laughs> the example <laughs> yeah no he is not the example don't well, his artist fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no, I know it's just like Sorry, I, know go, some folks, I know some folks who are cutting off their ears because they think it's like cute and romantic to starve as artists. And I'm like, that ain't cute. That's not cute it's no not. more. No. When it's like it, you're only hurting <laughs> yourself, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, I worked at Rala um, mm-hmm. until I could afford to go full time. And like there's just – there's no – it's just like, you know, take care of yourself. Take care mm-hmm. of yourself make money, you know, do side gigs until you can actually go full time, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, and it's okay to not want to be starving. Not everything is a sellout, you know, like, I mean, not that my professors ever said this, but like I started selling product in college and it was not very welcome, like in Mm -hmm. that space. And I always thought that that was so strange because it's Mm -hmm. like, what, what, what university wouldn't want their students to go on 
to like make money. And I always thought it was funny too, because it was like, and I'm ranting now, but it was like I love funny it. too, because it was like, there was two paths that were presented to us. We could go to grad school or we could like grad school. And then you either become a fine artiste or you become a professor. And I'm like, I hate both of those. I don't like teaching and I don't want to go to grad school. Like both of those sound terrible to me, but it's like, what about all of these these small little pockets that are wide open where there's like a million different jobs that artists can do. And artist isn't just one thing now. So like why, I don't know. And I think a lot of people are getting over it. I feel like Knoxville's become a little hub for people starting their own businesses, which oh, yeah. I'm excited, you know, yeah. but yeah, Knoxville's like a, it's an entrepreneurial city for sure. And I'm like resonating with everything that you're saying with like, that not everything is a sellout. Like a lot of people think that pricing equitably is selling out and it's not. Mm. <laughs> like why is it that way? It's like we don't <laughs> we don't look at a lawyer and we're like, but why do you charge that rate? Like why is it so expensive? We're like, oh right. well, you're a professional, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or- like but even like lawyers are undercharging, I think. Like I know several lawyers who are undercharging for their services and they're overworked yeah. and they're underpaid. And they don't have enough to like pay their staff like a viable and progressive keyword living wage mm. to keep up with the inflation around us. Like local lawyers in Knoxville, I know, who are like really struggling right now. And it's like even on that level, like these esteemed professions, people that we see, like we think are making it, like no, they're like their bodies are completely exhausted and shriveled up and tired and they're overworking. That's they're not making enough (laughs) for that. It's funny, I I don't want this and this would never happen, but sometimes I wish, like, you know, the the clothing brand Everlane. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish there was like pricing transparency for like mm-hmm. artist jobs where it's like, this is the tax on your body. This is, you know, what oh I actually pay in taxes. This is, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if you ever illustrated that, I would be a huge fan of it because it's real. Like that is so real. Like we, you know, for example, we as artists or creatives or whatever, we say this is the price of something, but it. But it's yeah. not the cost of it, right? Like I love Christo. I don't know if you're familiar with Christo. Oh yeah. Oh, I love Christo. Christo's great. Like design zaddy for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he talks about pricing creative work and how the cost of something and the price of something are two very different things. And mm. if you aren't doing the math on the tax on your body, on your resources, on you know what things actually cost to be made, to be created, to be consulted in, like you end up underpricing, undercharging for things that actually cost way more. We think we're giving people yeah. deals by undercharging, and it's not a deal. It's a yeah. it's it's a deal for them. But what about you, right? Yeah. Like. No, it's that's funny a, when I when I no. first started and I still I still didn't know how to price and I, I feel like I'm still learning but I've gotten better. It was like no one shared any resources. I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out like you can't you can't freaking yeah. Google how to price art. Like it's like mm-hmm. I feel thirty dollars like or like... three hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so it's like I I just came to this thing. I was like, well, <laughs> I called it like the icky meter, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, like you know. 
what's the price that like would I would feel disgusting drawing for them? Like I would, mm. it wouldn't be, you know, it, and that helped me a lot. Just like, what's the price that makes me feel valued? You know, mm-hmm. what's the price? And like, when you feel valued, you create better work and it's true yeah, for all it's industries. True. It's so you true. Know? Oh yeah. I love that. I like the icky meter. Um, <laughs> it's such a, that's such a powerful thing. Like even in my work, like we call that like somatic experiencing. Like what is this like, mm. what does this price point feel like in your body? Where is it located in your body? Does it feel uncomfortable, restricted? Does it make you breathe a little harder? <laughs> mm. And if so, like, do you want to expand that price point? Do you want to expand the possibility around charging that price point? You know, if it's a higher yeah. price point. And you can do that by tapping into your body's resources for expansion. It's like getting a massage for your, your like mm. soma, <laughs> your nervous What do you call system. it again? Somatic? Somatic experiencing, okay. right? So it's like getting a massage for your nervous system yeah. and saying, hey, like it's actually safe to charge this higher price point and actually you would be so much happier and feel so much more alive and resourced if you allowed yourself to do this. Imagine and it all makes the nose the- a lot better too. Oh, for sure. Because you're yeah. like, oh, well, at least I'm not doing it for that price. Yeah. And I don't like- have to experience that. Exactly. Like you don't have to experience the discomfort of like undercharging and under caretaking for the work that's going to go forward. And that is such a positive. So anyway. Somatic expansion, not icky meter. <laughs> you said it a lot more poetically no, than I did. <laughs> I felt like you said it so poetically and so simply. I'm like over here with like the terms and you're yeah, like, I love it. icky meter. I'm like, yes. Yeah, was- like. <laughs> it's the icky meter. Let's go. Oh, okay, let's keep God. it simple. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Anyway. I love it. Well, Paris, like, where can people find your work on the internet? I want people to be able yeah. to see, experience your work. Yeah, so it's pariswoodhall.com. You'll find my portfolio, my about page. If you want to chat, I've got my email contact on there. And then TikTok and Instagram, I'm just at Paris Woodhall. Um, Don't judge my TikToks too much. I'm learning and I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) You're hilarious. Like, I feel like all of your stories, not every single one of them, because you're a human with complex layers and emotions and being. But like you are hilarious. Like you have these oh. moments when you share videos of like, yes, I definitely relate to that. That makes so I feel much like sense. my boyfriend's just always next to me shaking his head and he's like, oh. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, I loved our podcast episode today. I loved just chatting with you, shooting the shit, Thanks. ranting Thanks a little bit me. about all yeah. the things. It was so good. Thank you so much yeah. for being here. Thanks for loosening me up a little bit. I'm <laughs> uptight, so <laughs> I love it. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,